Okay, here we go. On three. One. Two. Whoa, whiskey! 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 Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am Paul Caputo, sportslogos.net minor league baseball correspondent, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. Very excited today to be talking about one of the best brands in minor league baseball, the Bowling Green Hot Rods. So, so first, I have to say I'm, I'm joined right now by Eric Leach, who is the award-winning general manager of the, of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, in, including... Just yesterday, at the time of this recording, you won another award. You've you've won Outstanding General Manager of the Year award previously, but yesterday you won an award. So, Eric, award-winning General Manager of the Bowling Green Hot Rods, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Great to be here, Paul. And uh, uh, honestly, that award yesterday meant the world to us because it was the truest uh, spirit of the community award. So, award given to a business about what we give back into the community and how much uh, philanthropic work we do. And while winning championships is awesome, uh, we control nothing on the field. I'm not batting. I'm not doing any of that. So uh, this award really indicative of my front office staff and how much time and effort they give back to Bowling Green. So this is this is something that I've actually pointed out about Bowling Green a number of times when I talk about minor league baseball and, and the place that the teams have in the community. So we'll talk about your awesome you know car-based brand and some of the, the alternates that you do. But I do want to talk about just just first, the the place that the team has in the community and and sort of emblematic of that was when the terrible tornadoes tore through the Midwest and wreaked havoc, caused all sorts of damage and death. It was such a such a tragedy. The hot rods reached out to the community and said something along the lines of, hey, if any business needs a place to call home base, as it were, we have suites available to you. You can just come and use our suites. And I just thought, I mean, that was there, I mean, it was one of the first things I saw after the tornadoes come, came through was that the hot rods were making this offer. So, you know, can you talk about just sort of the what you see as the hot rods place in the community and whether did anyone actually take you up on that? Did they end up using your suites? Yeah. And in fact, that really stemmed from uh, the day after the tornadoes, you know, allow first responders to get into the immediate areas. But that Sunday, uh, a group of friends of mine, we have chainsaws. We went out helping out uh, some of our my coworkers. I uh, had trees down in their yards, so went and helped them, went and helped out neighbors. And I took my 11-year-old son because he was at home complaining about no internet. And I wanted to provide a lesson in, you know, um, just learning why it's going on, why you have no in internet, but more importantly, those who lost everything. So he went out and helped me. And on the way home, he was like, Dad, thank you so much for taking me. And he goes, what else can we do? And so as I got home, that question just kind of resonated. And so I did some uh, research. Hey, do uh, the first responders need food, water? And it seemed like all those needs were met. And I'm like, we have all these suites. And so it was a simple tweet of, hey, small business owners, um, we have a space. So why not utilize it? And next thing I knew, it blew up on the Internet. Um, several prominent um Media members uh, retweeted it, and sure enough, we had four businesses take advantage of it. Uh, one stayed about an entire month until they could get back in, and so we opened our doors and just had people coming in and out, and literally just good faith humanity handing them a key and saying, you know, my place is your place while you guys recover, and uh, I know it meant the world to them, and for some of them, they were able to sustain their business during that time. 
Well, it's incredible. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible thing that the team did. And, and I'm glad to, to start with that. And so the award you won yesterday, and I apologize for not having the actual name of it. What was the name of the award that you won yesterday? The uh, Truest Spirit of the Community Award. And so it's uh, goes beyond just the tornadoes. It's all the charity walks, all the things that we do out here for various organizations. A lot of times we do it pro bono. Um, and Paul, that comes from, I have a saying that when I got here, you're only as important to the community as you are involved in it. And so instead of just take, 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 we give, because when I got here nine years ago, I had people say, oh, the hot rods aren't even going to make 10 years in Bowling Green. They're going to move this and that. And I was like, well, what would happen if we did move? Would people miss us? Mm. And now we're so entrenched in the community uh, that people would be heartbroken if the hot rods were to ever leave. And when minor league baseball went through the cuts and everything else, uh, we're the third smallest market in the country. And we're a little bit remote from everybody else, but we have such a great relationship with the Rays and the way we kind of uh, blend with them and really take care of everything here is why such a small town still exists in minor league baseball. Well, and I can, I can tell you that that ethos extends to all scales with this team. And I know this personally because you have on two separate occasions reached out to me unsolicited to offer things to me just out of the kindness of your art. The first time was I had tweeted out that our baseball Palooza 2019 was coming through the, the Midwest area. And one of our stops was the Bowling Green Hot Rods. And to this day, we've been doing the baseball Palooza since 2014. To this day, you are the only general manager. You're the only team to reach out and just offer tickets. Just say, hey, we got tickets for you, you know, come on by. And sure enough, there were 10 tickets waiting for us. And you didn't have to do that. That was just a purely kind thing to do. We tried to make it worth your while by spending a ton of money in the gift <laughs> shop. <laughs> we tried to. But then the other time was, again, you just reached out to me. You sent me a Twitter message. And it was after the 2020 season had been canceled because of COVID-19. And you know that I collect helmet Sundays. And you had a stack of 2020 Midwest League All-Star Game helmets, which were, you know, the, uh, the All-Star Game was meant to be held in Bowling Green in 2020. And obviously the whole season was canceled. And then for a long time, the Midwest League was just gone. It was, you know, it was the geographical signifiers that they used for, you know, the 2021 season. So thank goodness the Midwest League is back. But it was just so kind of you. I just remember it was like so kind to just unsolicited say, hey, you know, I've got these helmets. I'm going to send them to you. And sure enough, you did. And so... They're yeah. featured prominently I, in the collection. I have a lot of fond memories. I'm, I was a, a collector as a kid and also uh, would go on sports trips with my dad and brothers mm -hmm. and friends. Uh, and my dad passed away about uh, three years ago and I, I have those memories. And that's what cherishes uh, me is I don't remember the scores of the games. I remember a few of the scores of the games that I went to mm -hmm. uh, with my dad, but it's all those fun memories. And those baseball trips are something epic. Uh, and I highly encourage, you know, fans to go do it because that is just great, great enjoyment. Uh, and the funny stories that come along with all those trips, I'm sure you have tons of those from your, your adventures. And um, that's what we are. We're in the memory making business and uh, baseball is a core product of that. But, uh, you know, 10 years from now, nobody's going to remember a lot of the hot rod scores, but they're going to remember getting that foul ball. They're going to remember meeting this mascot or, uh, those variety of things. And so that's what I love about this. And that's why I love giving back just randomly to people. And, um, you know, and, and it makes the difference And it. It's a little self-serving, Paul, because, you know, I get fulfillment out of that. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, as I light up somebody else's day, it makes me feel good about what we do here. Well, 
if that if that if that's what brings you joy then the system works for everybody there because it's yeah. just you know i i always point to the bowling green hot rods as sort of the 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 pinnacle of of minor league baseball the community of minor league baseball and just the you know how you approach you as a general manager and the bowling green hot rods as a team approach the you know the the overall just i'll use this word again the ethos of of what minor league baseball means to all of us. And so certainly the baseball Palooza guys remember, and you know, that whenever I look at that, that hot rods helmet in the collection, it just brings me joy because it makes me think of that kindness. So, but let's talk, this is a podcast about branding. It's a, it's a podcast about logos and nicknames and what they mean to, to the local community. The hot rods have been around since 2009. You've had a couple of different iterations of your logo created by different designers. So you had the 2009 to 2015 that was uh, created by Brandios. And then 2016 to 2021, you had a much more sort of stylized orange and, and blue look, some of which still is part of your, your overall suite. I had to go back. I went back and looked at the sportslogos.net article that I wrote on it, and it was a, a firm called SME Branding. So, but then 2022, you worked with Brandon LaMarche, who I'll be speaking with in the next segment of this podcast, and you unveiled two new looks that complement the existing look essentially. So I'll talk to Brandon about that look in particular, but can you talk about what it is about hot rods in general and the automotive industry that's appropriate to the community of Bowling Green? Yeah, the hot rods are uh, quintessential to Bowling Green. A, you have the Corvette Museum and the Corvette plant. So you have America's uh, renowned muscle car being manufactured right here in Bowling Green. And uh, I believe it's the 25th or 30th anniversary of the uh, Corvette Museum being here. But in addition to that, uh, you have Holly Automotive Parts. And there's a racetrack here, a drag strip called Beachmen. And so about twice a month, they're having uh, races out here for, from the Tri-5s, which is the uh, 54, 55, 56 Chevys to Corvettes, uh, to Camaros and Mustang weekends. So you have all this car culture and so really with Corvettes being manufactured here, Hot Rods was a great uh, acronym and nickname to come up with. And then through the branding and the changing of it, um, really, we wanted to get back to kind of the power Hot Rod, the classic Hot Rod look. And so that's what really precipitated us making that change for this year and working with Brandon on uh, coming up with a new kind of car identity. And the, and the side part of that, Paul, was we love the Navy and we love the orange, but we really didn't have a third color. And so with the 10-year agreement with the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, we had done some baby blue in the past. And so we wanted to bring back that color so we would have a third uh, color in our, um, in our palette. And so we were able to accomplish that. Great. Well, and so you mentioned Brandon, and I have to ask you, because I, I, this is something we were chatting about in the sort of pre-interview conversation here. Can you talk about how it came to pass that you worked with Brandon LaMarche to create the, uh, the, the most recent marks in your suite? Yeah, in fact, Brandon was an intern for us uh, years and years ago. I believe it was either 2014 or 2015 uh, when he was on, on staff. And so his father was the general manager of the Corvette plant. And through a series of events, um, Brandon fell into our laps. And so he was actually an account exec selling tickets and doing that, but he loved to design. And so he kept doing the design work and then he started showing me some things. And sure enough, I went to Brandon and I said, hey, I've had this concept, this idea to do the Bowling Green bootleggers as an alternate identity. And he's like, let me tackle it. And so he and I worked really closely hand in hand and came up with the bootleggers identity. 
And ever since that day, Brandon has been designing for us and coming up with our logos all the way from the Bowling Green sinkholes uh, to the Bolitos and the new logos and, and the all-star, all the all-star logos of the greatest game that never happened uh, was his design work. And so uh, Brandon's, he's tremendous at what he does. In fact, uh, he had a full-time job and he ended up stepping away to do nothing but uh, design work full-time. So uh, a great resource. And he and I have that type of relationship. He knows what style I like, uh, but yet I give him creative freedom and we tweak back and forth. Well, that's, uh, that's such a fun story. And I'll look forward to talking to, to Brandon about that for sure. Uh, I love, love that connection, but you mentioned a couple of your alternate brands here, and I definitely want to dig into what they mean. Cause they're all part of the story too. When we logged on, you're wearing the, the bootleggers cap and the bootleggers hoodie sweatshirt. Can you tell me about the the bootleggers identity and what it what it means to the local community? Yes, of course, uh, everybody kind of knows bootlegging and, and Kentucky is bourbon uh, country. I mean, it is the American whiskey. And of course, here in Kentucky, we call it the bourbon and uh, bourbon can only be made true bourbon here in the state of Kentucky. But you've also got, uh, you know, the moonshiners in the backfields. And I learned that very quickly when a uh, season ticket holder brought me a gift when I was brand new on staff and I opened it up and it is white lightning, straight moonshine off a still <laughs> in somebody's uh, backwoods uh, holler. And so bootlegging is a thing. And so we're like, why not have fun with it? So we came up with the idea and we did a single game standoff as uh, bootleggers and ended up winning promotion of the year in minor league baseball. And so we brought that back the following year. And then eventually now every single Thursday we play as the bootleggers and uh, it's our, of course, our dollar beer and $3 drink special night. And so that identity has just become a fabric of who we are. And there occasionally there's a fan who shows up and they're like, I thought you guys were the hot rods and you're playing as the bootleggers. And so you have to explain that. And we've had some fans that are like, you know what, we wish you'd go to the bootleggers uh, full time. No, that's not going to happen, but it is a great alt brand. And now you see that trend all across minor league baseball um, with the alternate brands, some food related, some drink related. Well, that it's, a, it's such a fun logo, right? Like the, you know, <laughs> the, the one, my favorite is the sort of old timey sort of hobo looking guy, you know, on top of the barrel with his big smile and his big beard and the sort of raggedy hat. And it looks like he's riding the barrel of bourbon, yeah. right? Like, and so that's Brandon who came up with those logos. Yes, it is. All right. Well, that's great. I'll talk to him about that too. Then, the the other or or an other alternate identity that you have is the sinkholes, which is just a hilarious and I won't use the word tragic because there are tragedies and then there are tragedies. But if you're a car lover, there, there's a certain element of tragedy to the story of the sinkholes with the with the Corvette Museum. And I'm going to be speaking with Mariah Hughes of the Corvette Museum at the end of this episode. But can you tell me where the sinkholes alternate brand came from? Yeah, in, in fact, the sinkhole happened in 2014. And initially, um, it was not a joke. It was not funny. And the Corvette Museum, because um, we had talked about doing something way back then, and they're like, no, absolutely not. But then in hindsight, it ended up being a great thing for them. Uh, through tragedy came triumph, and it got them a lot of notoriety. And really now the sinkhole is a key part of the tour when you go out there. And so their perspective kind of changed. And over time, they're like, absolutely. And in fact, Corvette Museum was having their 25th anniversary. They're having a huge weekend. 8,000 plus Corvette enthusiasts were coming into Bowling Green to celebrate and so we asked for permission to play as the Bowling Green sinkholes and kind of 
adopt that moniker on that same weekend. And so Brandon came up with the jerseys and the logos and absolutely brilliant with the mole. Uh, you know, it looks like he's digging, but he's swinging a, um, a, a tire axle. And the whole concept of the jerseys where it looks like Corvettes are buried and some old logos of ours are buried. And it's like this hidden treasure of buried things underneath the sinkhole. And so we played as that uh, for that uh, weekend. Huge, huge success. And we've kind of retired it for a couple of years. But to let your listeners know a little hint, that might be coming back for 2023. Uh, kind of a standalone uh, sinkholes part two. I am, a, I am a huge fan of teasers on this podcast, for sure. <laughs> so for those who are not familiar with the full story, this was uh, February of 2014. A 40-foot by 30-foot sinkhole opened up essentially under the museum and swallowed, was it 16 cars? I think it was 16 Corvettes that got swallowed up by the, by the sinkhole. Three-quarters of a million dollars worth of, of cars got destroyed, essentially. And like you say, it's part of the tour at the museum now. and it was it was awful for you know certainly for that museum uh and certainly for you know as as an institution that was obviously really difficult for them thankfully no one was hurt so anyway but it's it, you know the the fact that you all were able to turn that you know that that terrible event for the museum into this sort of whimsical brand that is now we're learning maybe coming back that's exciting news so and then you mentioned one other one that was the copa de la diversión brand that you have so can you tell me about that one yeah, and um, Copa, I, I spent four years living in the Dominican Republic and uh, spending time in Latin American culture. And while we don't have a huge Latin American population here in Bowling Green, I wanted to participate in that. And so we started um, doing some research on various names and a couple of other teams had some. So we ended up doing the direct translation of hot rod into Spanish, which is bolitos. So bolitos de Bowling Green. Uh, but bolitos has two meanings. It means hot rod and also means meteor. And so with that and working with Brandon, if you notice on our logo, and I encourage uh, those watching to pull it up, it's a different looking hot rod, uh, very vibrant colors, but it also has this glow around it. And that's to signify the meteor, like the car is an actual meteor coming in. And so you have the glow flames around it. Uh, and so we adopted that last year was our first year playing as the Bolitos de Bowling Green for three games. And we're bringing it back again this year. Uh, and then we have some alternate We've repeated the same jersey and hat this year. We have some alternate ones that uh, perhaps in future years we're going to bring out just some color flips and different things like that. But uh, it's a great brand and kids love the vibrant colors. And so we've been able to reach out to the, the small but uh, mighty Latin American community here in Bowling Green. And it's, it's a great addition to our brand. Well, I'm looking at it now while you're talking about it, and it absolutely looks like a meteor. I mean, I, you know, it's not something, not knowing that uh, double entendre in Spanish, I wouldn't have caught that right away. It looked like a car just going fast enough that flames were trailing off the back of it, but mm -hmm. it does look like a meteor that's coming right at you. And it's, a, you know, I'm a huge fan of the Copa de la Diversión brands. Uh, I'm trying to get better at pronouncing it, but uh, <laughs> it's, I'm a huge fan of those brands. And this one, this one's really terrific. And I love how it ties directly in with the, the overall a hot rods brand that you have. So obviously this is, I mean, there's so much to talk about with this team. I really love how all of the alternate brands sort of support this larger brand of the, the hot rods in general, right? Like it's all part of a larger narrative. And, you know, this has been, this has just been one of my, one of my favorite 
teams to follow because of the place that you all have in your community and because of how much, you know, how, how cool the brand is. I mean, I just really like the brand as well. I, I don't know if you saw this yet, but I'm wearing a hot rod shirt here that I picked up when I was at the game there in 2019. It's, uh, you know, I just, I appreciate what Bowling Green means to minor league baseball. And so I really have enjoyed the opportunity. You and I have spoken a couple of times in the past, but never really gotten to sit down like this. We met briefly at the game and then we've talked a couple of times for sports logos articles, but to actually have a, a longer form conversation here with you has been something I've been looking forward to for a while. So I, I appreciate you, Eric, and I appreciate the hot rods and I appreciate you taking your time out of your morning to, to chat with me about it. Absolutely, Paul. My pleasure. And I, I enjoy it. And there's nothing that I love more than the brand of minor league baseball and the fun that we get to have. And, and um, you know, I, that's what keeps me going and energized is being able to come up with these fun things and uh, take a, an idea on paper and make it into reality. And that's the dream. And uh, we keep pushing, pushing forward and looking forward to what's to come. Well, that's, I mean, you guys are doing great at it. It's, I appreciate it all. And uh, before I let you go, I'll just ask you, where uh, can people find you and the team on social media and online? Yeah, bghotrods.com and social media, Bowling Green Hot Rods, pretty much all across the board. And of course, we have other brands that you can find like Turbo or Bat Dog and Bourbon and Brew Fest and some other uh, fun things with that. And then my Twitter handle is uh, baseball bucket 7 and so you can find me there and uh, give me a follow on Twitter. And uh, hopefully it, you'll see some of the teasing and, and various things that uh, I get in trouble with my social media manager. They're like, stop <laughs> teasing everything. I'm like, yeah, but it gets people interested. So Absolutely. Uh, I get my hands flopped every once in a while, but follow us there. And, and of course, you can go check out all the merchandise on bghotrods.com and order it through that. Uh, and the last plug I'll give on that is I highly encourage all the viewers and everybody always buy through the team. Uh, rather than through a third-party site because buying through the team, it supports the team. The third-party site, we really don't get a whole lot of revenue from those. Uh, so support your local team by buying off of their sites. That's a great tip and something that I'll repeat in the future as well because that's something that, that I try to do whenever I can. Obviously, what I my favorite thing to do is get to the ballpark and buy it right there at the team store and then go get myself an ice cream helmet Sunday. So absolutely. <laughs> Eric, this has been great. Thank you so much. And I hope to get back to the to the hot rods again soon and uh, keep up the great work that you guys are doing. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. All right, everyone. Welcome back. I'm very pleased right now to be joined by Brandon LaMarche, who is this is, this is actually a great relationship between a designer and a team here that you don't see too often. Brandon has basically created all of the logos for the Hot Rods. And so that includes the, 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 the most recent iterations of the primary brand, which is a couple of marks that were added to a, an already existing suite. But then all of the alternate brands that you associate with the, with the Hot Rods, like the Bolitos, which is their Copa brand, and the Sinkholes, which is the kind of hilarious, kind of tragic brand that we'll, uh, that, that Eric and I were talking about and that I will talk about with Mariah Hughes from the Corvette Museum uh, after this segment. And then also the Bootleggers, which is a terrific alternate brand. And then like, and then also, well, first of all, I'm going to go on and on here. Brandon, hello, and thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. You also created a logo for the 2020 All-Star Game, Midwest League All-Star Game, that yep. never happened. The, the Midwest yep. League All-Star Game that never was. 
we lost that to COVID, but Eric, uh, we were just talking about this. Eric sent me some helmets with that logo on it. So that is part of the helmet Sunday collection here in the, uh, in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. So it's, can you, can you talk just before we talk about the specific logos, can you talk about sort of the relationship that you have with the team and how it was that you became sort of their go-to designer uh, for all of their brands? Um, so I was still in college at the time and uh, I had just came back from studying abroad in Australia and my parent, my dad just got a new job um, as the plant manager for Corvette. Um, he worked, we, so I kind of needed, uh, I had just moved, they just moved away from my hometown up in Michigan. And so I kind of needed something to do for the summer. And luckily there was a minor league team, uh, the Bollingering Hot Rods there. And so I, uh, as soon as I got back from Australia, I just called up the front office, asked say can I get an interview for a summer job and they're like sure and that's as soon as I got the interview I met Eric and we just the whole interview process was just us basically spitballing about minor league logos I just noticed different random trinkets in his office and we just I don't think we talked about what what job I would have to do when we when I, the opportunity came and just he just liked our connection through minor league logos and just baseball in general. Well, I mean, that's super cool, right? Because you don't see it that often in minor league baseball. I mean, often you'll have, you know, the, the primary brand for a team is created by one of the big design firms out there. And then maybe the Copa brand is in-house or they work with major league baseball or so. So for the suite of identities, not just the suite of, of logos to be created by one person for a team, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool relationship that, that the hot rods have with you as their designer. And I know that since working for the team, you've moved on to become full-time graphic designer, uh, but you've maintained that relationship with that team, obviously, and continue to do, you know, to do their logos for them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's been pretty funny. Uh, it's, a, it's an opportunity I never thought I would have because when we started doing this relationship, it was more of, uh, I had the skills to do it because I was an architecture major for a couple of years and before I switched to education. And then um, it just kind of snowballed from there. And I've been able to not only work for the Hot Rods, but I've done work for the Nashville Sounds and the Peoria Chiefs and a lot of other kind of teams in the area. So you did the, we'll talk first about the, the new marks for the primary brand. You came into a sort of already, an already existing brand. I know that the, the first one was created by, by Brandios. The, the, the original Hot Rods logo was created by Brandios. And uh, then as you reminded me just now, the, uh, the brand in 2016 uh, was created by SME in New York. So you basically created a brand that sort of threw back a little bit to the Brandios version uh, with the sort of classic Hot Rod. Can you talk about sort of what, you know, having that relationship with the team as a designer, but then having to augment an already existing brand. What's, what's that like for you as a designer? Um, the, the really cool part of doing this project was I was actually a part of the team during that transition between Brandios and then their new brand with SME. So I got a kind of that small little background of what that whole process was like and what, why the decisions were made and, and whatnot. Um, and then for the team, I kind of realized, and if just, just talking to, you know, Adam News, who was the GM at the time, and Eric, uh, they didn't get a lot of input into the whole design process. So that was kind of a frustration they had because they had just got a new ownership group, and that's why they changed their brand. They kind of wanted to put their mark on it. And so this whole project was kind of 
taking the ideas that they kind of wanted to implement at the time and um, and putting it into this new brand because there were a couple of marks that they just weren't fans of at the time and they definitely a couple of the other marks that they still use definitely grew on them through over time so we were just kind of trying to build off of that existing brand at the time and then make something new and then as you said like maybe do some callbacks to what made the brand successful at the at the beginning and maybe even some callbacks to um, some older teams that you know were part of Bowling Green throughout their history. So after you unveiled these these two new brands, what was the what was the reception like for you? I mean, you're 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 with the team at the time, and you're sort of watching this this happen. What? Uh, how did you track the you know the reaction to the to the new marks introduced into the suite? Uh, it looked like all positive um, for the most part. I don't think I really saw anything negative about it. Um, it's just kind of my style is really kind of a mixture of uh, what made uh, Dan Simon and Brandios kind of really take off is just that kind of bold and fun designs, you know, something that can stand out at a, at a distance because uh, that's really important in baseball. You know, you want to be able to recognize a logo from a distance. Mm-hmm. And so I think people really just were just connected it with a little better than some of the previous logos, like the car, previous car logo just wasn't uh, something that people connected to us so much. So it wasn't really utilized as much. And so, and it really, we really went back to the, just the cl- classic car uh, aesthetic uh, that the pre the 2016 brand was just missing that kind of car feel. And so we wanted to really build upon, you know, why hot rods were popular, why hot rods are such a important part of Bowling Green. Yeah, the 2016 car was almost just a little too stylized, right? Like it almost lost from a distance anyway. It lost that sort of recognizability as mm-hmm. as a car itself, even. So so calling back to that. So it was interesting though that that you know you created a couple of marks. You created that you know the car mark, and then you created the word mark that goes with it. But that they still left some of the the previous logos from that suite in place. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. I'm sure that was interesting for you as a designer to create new sort of primary marks for an already existing brand. So it's a very interesting and different challenge from a design perspective. Now I want to know, was it, was it an emotional challenge for you, especially since your dad had that connection to the Corvette, you know, industry and Bowling Green, the sinkholes logo, which, (laughs) you know, I, I struggle with how to describe it. Right. Because it's like you use the word tragedy because it was, a very bad situation for a lot of people, but there was no human life lost. And there was, you know, it's just, it's at a certain point, it's just stuff, but you know, it, it obviously was expensive stuff and important stuff to people. And the fact that these cars were lost to a sinkhole opening up under the, see, I'm laughing about it. I don't mean to be laughing about it, um, no, 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 no. but for you to be asked to create a logo that sort of tongue in cheek commemorates this, you know, this car tragedy, we'll call it a car tragedy after you know with your family's connection to the industry was that was there was there did you have any like misgivings about that at all in that process no not at all it, it was actually really funny because uh, my dad's first day on the job as plant manager of corvette was the corvette sinkhole day so he literally goes into work um you know introduces himself to everyone and then all of a sudden you know he hears all this commotion across the street which is the museum is across the street from the plant and he has to go on national tv to explain what happened and it's it's so it's just so funny that 
um, you know, you, you, you never would have thought in a million years you would be, you know, standing up, talking about Corvette on the national stage in that kind of situation. He probably thought it would be, if he were ever to do that, it would be something different. Um, so the fact that I got to be able to kind of create an identity, which that's, that's probably my most difficult project. How do you make a minor league identity over a what we would, you would consider a tragic situation, but it's actually a very typical situation Bowling Green because there's so many uh, sinkholes through all the limestone cave systems around there. Uh, you actually have to, you know, they have sinkhole insurance there, which is pretty funny. So it's more of a, it was just kind of a fun situation to, to create something that, you know, normally you wouldn't think would be something uh, that you would uh, make a team around. So right. it's just, just something very fun. Uh, I, th I think my, my dad got a real big kick out of it. He's got a bunch of sinkhole stuff in his collection now. Oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, it's funny. I always talk about how I, you know, I learn something about America as I do this podcast, right? Like I'm constantly learning about, you know, parts of the country. I've been to a game in Bowling Green, did not know that sinkholes were A, common, and B, that sinkhole insurance was a thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so, that's, so that's, pretty, uh, that's pretty good information to have now in the, in the lexicon. Uh, the other, so another brand that you did was the Bootleggers. This is something that people associate with Kentucky. This is not new information. I think that, that there is uh, alcohol, uh, specifically bourbon, I guess, in, in Kentucky. The Bootleggers identity is the the wackiest of all of them right like it's got the sort of old-timey bootlegger guy and it's got the barrel and everything so so you were asked to create something that based on sort of the other work that i've seen from you is a little bit outside you know what you would normally do the sort of the sort of wacky cartoony logo is a little bit different from the other stuff that you've done so was that a challenge for you uh it was at the time because that was my very first introduction to sports design um i was working with the team as a member of the front office at the time when we came up with the idea and it came up with the idea at the end of a homestand and it was a very long homestand and we were just sitting in the break room uh, sipping on uh, homemade moonshine from our season ticket holders and we were just coming <laughs> up with fun ideas of promos we could do the following year and our GM at the time was like what if we did an identity where we were the moonshiners and, and it was because we were the moonshine we were drinking and it was just it kind of just it was an idea that every week it just kept coming up and coming up and snowballed and snowballed until it's like all right let's go ahead let's do something and let's do this and i think uh eventually we did bootleggers because we thought it would be um a bit better to sell mm -hmm. um through minor league baseball at the time i know i think west virginia ended up doing a moonshiners identity later but it was kind of the first idea of let's make a beer related or alcohol related branding that actually connects to the area. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And, um, and it really took off. I never expected it to be so successful as it is. And be such an important part of, you know, the hot rods is identity and their promotions. Can you tell me about the, the mo how you made that transition from being a front office employee to creating an alternate brand for this team, what that, you know, I mean, once you created the first alternate brand, it seems like a it's a natural progression to start doing more work for them. But what was, what was the, the buildup to 
hey, I'm doing this one job for the team, but I also have these other skills that could be of use. And was there was there was there resistance or did you just have to show them some ideas? How did you how did you get them to accept like, hey, I'm going to do some design work for you? Yeah. So so when I got hired, I got hired just to be kind of an intern, just kind of be everyone's sort of assistant. I was really interested in the industry. Uh, I want that's why I switched from architecture to education. I was trying to get opportunities to either go into coaching or go to some sort of baseball uh, job. So I was really more of an assistant slash ticket sales. And uh, I had to wait about a week just to get, you know, acclimated with how everything worked and get training on how to be a ticket sales guy. So I was just kind of not a whole lot to do. And we had some uh, promo meetings, you know, talk about the homestand, like, how are we going to sell tickets? You know, how are we going to, you know, approach, you know, how we would sell to different businesses and stuff. And I was just coming up with, you know, ideas of, well, maybe we could do a giveaway like this. And I actually, you know, drew it out and designed it because I still had all my design background from college. And I just walked into Eric's office one day, say, hey, I have a you know, I'm not, I have a couple ideas here, you know, I just going to shoot my shot here and see if you like it. And he literally just slapped me in the face. was like, these are amazing. You know, he really liked the ideas that we came up with. None of them got used at the time. Um, but he just liked the fact that I had that back. He didn't know I had that background at the time. He didn't know I, I, you know, drew, you know, logos and stuff as a, since as a kid and that developed into a passion of mine even though we kind of bonded over logos and stuff. So it just, it was just really just say, Hey, I have this, I can do this. Uh, I don't know if you like it either or what, but you know, that's kind of how it all started. And I started actually doing design work for them, you know, that day before I even got trained on doing uh, ticket sales. So I became a big part of my job moving with the team. Very cool. I, I think one of the reasons I'm so fascinated by logos is, you know, my background's in graphic design as well, but mine is more sort of like information design, publication design, that sort of thing. And it's, you know, I, I like those kinds of design because there's, there are rules and yes, there are rules in logo design. And we've talked a lot about them on this podcast, but like you can point to in publication design, you can point to like legibility, readability, hierarchy, contrast, like all this stuff that, makes sort of for effective design. Whereas I think with logos, it's, you know, and like I said, there, there's rules and there's, there's still color and contrast and type and all this stuff and readability from a certain distances and all this. But with logos, more than any other aspect of design, you can show it to someone who has a background, who does not have a background in graphic design, and they either like it or they don't right? Like there's no, there's no arguing with someone about, well, you should like this logo because, right? Like it's just like, they look at it and they either like it or they don't. And especially when it's representing their organization, their team, their, you know, company that they started or whatever. So, so I always have, you know, logo designers. And I think it's why I do a podcast about logos. You know, when I, you know, I find good logos and tell their story because it's like, I'm always so amazed by the ability of designers to create something where their clients go, yes, that's it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. So anyway, I'm amazed by logo designers. So it's very cool that you shot your shot there, right? Like, and took that yeah. to Eric and, and that Eric is the sort of person to be like, hey, this is great. Let's let's work together. You know, let's let's cultivate this a little bit and see where it goes. Because obviously 
it's gone great places. The other thing that, so the last one I wanted to ask you about, obviously, is the Bolitos. Uh, I learned from talking with Eric that Bolitos has, it's a double entendre in in Spanish and, and that it means hot rods and asteroid or comet, I guess. So, so the car itself that you created looks like a comet sort of coming at you, you know, mm-hmm. with the tail behind it, but that was, you know, what were your considerations in, in creating that logo? Uh, so at the time I did that, uh, I had just completed the previous year with the sounds. I did the Vuelas. Uh, so I had a, I had a little bit of a background, what minor league baseball was, uh, trying to do with the, with Copa and, you know, what they were wanting our, the designers to do, they were very pushing, you know, let's make these very bold and vibrant. And so we had come with the Bolitos idea the season after Fresno did the low riders. So our whole idea, or they had just announced they were going to be the low riders the season before we were going to do Bolitos. So we had to scrap all our ideas of, well, we can't do lowriders. Um, so what we ended up doing was, let's, well, since we found the double entendre, it was like, hey, this also means, you know, some sort of, you know, cosmic asteroid kind of space theme. Let's combine that with uh, how hot riders like to, in the Latino community, like to just paint these vibrant, very detailed, awesome designs onto the cars. And so we kind of was a great, you know, marriage between the two of these stars and fires and flames. And we can add that also, you know, with the hot rods and flames, just kind of combine all those elements together. And we picked a car, a non-traditional hot rod looking car, just so we can get a branch off a little bit and not also look like a low rider. And it just kind of snowballed into what you see on the hat is just this, this flaming, comet asteroid car coming right at you uh there's very vibrant colors and little astral stars and stuff it was pretty fun so i was there when i went to a game in bowling green it was in 2019 and i believe that was before the bolitos brand was out and so because i definitely would have picked up some bolitos stuff there when i was there because that's I, I really enjoy that that brand for sure I, you know so i love i really enjoy this story in particular, because one of my favorite things about the hot rods is the place that they have in the community, right? Like in the work that they've done with supporting. And this is something Eric and I talked quite a bit about in, in the previous segment. So I, I love that, you know, one of the things they've done is that they've cultivated a relationship with a sort of homegrown designer who is part of the community. And it's very fitting for the, the Bowling Green hot rod story. So, so I appreciate, you know, you taking your time and coming on and talking about all the work that you've done with the team. So thank you. Thank you for spending time with me this morning on that. Where can people find you on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lamarsh32. That's the number 32. Or you can go on my website. My portfolio uh, is 32designs.net. Okay. And we'll put those in the show notes for sure. Brandon, thank you very much. And I very much want to get back to a Hot Rods game. So I hope to get to meet up with you in person. And this is something, you know, I say this almost every interview, but all of those logos, the Bolitos, the bootleggers, the sinkholes, and of course the new hot rods ones. I want to see all of these on helmet Sundays there, right? Like I would get like five things of ice cream when I was there because of all these great logos that would look really good on a helmet Sunday. So yeah, keep uh, pressure Eric, you might get it. <laughs> I will, I will, you know, he's been, he's been so generous with me in other ways already. So we'll see if I can't uh, press my luck with that a little bit. Brandon, thanks very much and look forward to seeing more of your work out there. Yeah, thanks for having Paul. Hi there, everyone. Welcome back. 
I'm very pleased to be joined now. Uh, this is a special treat here. I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to be joined by Mariah Hughes, who is the Senior Media and Marketing Specialist with the National Corvette Museum in Bowling Green. Mariah, thank you so much for, for joining. Thank you for having me. Can you, can you tell me what connection, what is the connection between Bowling Green and Corvettes specifically? We need to travel back to 1970s for a little bit. So in 1979, the Corvette was built in St. Louis, Missouri at the assembly plant there. They were outgrowing that plant and they needed space to grow. The assembly plant here in Bowling Green sat vacant for a few years as it used to build air conditioning units for Chrysler. The city of Bowling Green owned that plant, reached out to General Motors and said, hey, you know, we think we have the perfect place for you if you wanted to move your production here. We're right on I-65, just an hour from Nashville and an hour and some change from Louisville. We would love to have you if you were welcome to come here. So GM said yes, and the assembly plant moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky, and officially started production of vehicles to be delivered to customers in 1981. There was a little brief period where they did some training with their staff, et cetera, before that happened. So the Corvette has been built in Bowling Green, Kentucky since 1981. All right. And then the museum then, well, how long was it since after uh, that, ha that move happened and then the museum uh, opened? So the museum was actually started by a gentleman named Terry McNannan, who was a part of NCRS, which if you're familiar with that, it's the National Corvette Restorer Society. He approached the NCRS convention, there we go, <laughs> and told them that he had an idea for a library and archives to be built, that NCRS would keep a record of all of the Corvettes ever made. This process started not long after the assembly plant had moved to Bowling Green. Just a library and archives is what we started with. That process continued to grow. More people decided to join that movement of making that library and archives come to fruition. Then a gentleman by the name of Ray Quinlan said, well, if you're building an archive, how about I give you my 1953 Corvette and you can build a museum around it. And so the process then switched from a library and archives to a museum. And the museum officially opened almost a decade later in 1994 on Labor Day weekend at our location now. All right. And then so flash forward until 2009, the Bowling Green Hot Rods baseball team opens up. They, they went with an automotive theme. They couldn't exactly tie it to Corvettes because, you know, all sorts of copyright and ownership issues there. But when the when the team you know established its identity, it obviously had to do with this close tie to the automotive industry. Did you all have any sort of relationship with the team, or was there any conversations with them when when that happened? I was not here in two thousand and nine, so I can't speak to the fact that there were any specific conversations with the Bowling Green Hot Rods. But Bowling Green is Vet City, so we're not just the home of Corvette. We're also the headquarters for Holly Performance, if you're familiar with that as well. And then we have Beach Bend Drag Strip here in Bowling Green, too. So there's a lot of sort of automotive stuff going on, for sure. Is there a relationship yes. with the team now? Yes, actually, we do have a relationship with the team. In 2019, they moonlighted as the Bowling Green sinkholes for a game during our caravan event. So every five years, the museum has a caravan for both international and domestic travelers and Corvette owners to all caravan together to Bowling Green for one big celebration to celebrate milestone anniversaries at the museum. And for that event, they switched over to play as the sinkholes for our wonderful Corvette audience to enjoy. So it's possible we've talked about the sinkholes a little bit already on this episode, but could you tell okay. me from the museum's perspective, the sinkhole story? 
So at 5.39 in the morning on that day, we had a 35 feet deep sinkhole that opened up and swallowed eight of the museum's cars on display. Some would consider that a tragedy in the Corvette world. However, we think that we made lemonade out of a horrible situation. It's certainly the, the brand that the team came up with to, to yeah. commemorate that incident was really, uh, was really, I mean, pretty funny, even though, you know, especially for car lovers, it was, it was pretty tragic. Mm-hmm. Did you go to that game? I did. I quite enjoyed that game as well. They had <laughs> trivia and activities and everything was themed around the museum and the Corvette hobby. <laughs> so if I'm, a, if, if I'm visiting Bowling Green and I go mm-hmm. to the National Corvette Museum, what is, what is the take-home message that you want me to leave with? What do you, what would, if I'm given an elevator speech to you know, my, my buddies after I get back from a trip to Bowling Green and I tell them, hey, I went to the Corvette Museum and they say, oh, what, what you take away from it? What's the message that you want me to leave with? This is where adrenaline meets tradition. So we have everything from experiences to all of the Corvette history that you could ever imagine. And we celebrate the past, present, and future of the Corvette. And when I come to the museum, what kind of hands-on things could I do? Is there anything like, can I get in a car or can I, you know, can I touch the cars in any way? You can't touch the cars back in the gallery spaces. However, you do get pretty close to them in those exhibits. We do have our C6 racing simulator where you can test your luck on a virtual track in our lobby. We're also home to the Corvette store and eat-in restaurant. And then we have the NCM Motorsports Park just across the street where you can get behind the wheel and test your luck on a real track. <laughs> Sounds kind of awesome, actually. Um, it is. Yeah. So, well, gosh, I've, I've sort of covered my questions here. Is there anything I'm not asking about the museum that you think baseball fans who are visiting Bowling Green should know about? <laughs> There's nothing more American than baseball and Corvettes, that's for sure. I think that's true. And ice cream and a helmet. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mariah, this is very cool. Thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk about the museum and the, the, all the activities that you have there and the relationship to the baseball team. It's a, it's a, fun, it's a fun link between the team and the community that I, that I really enjoy. And uh, we, I, my baseball palooza road trip has been to Bowling Green, but we didn't make it to the museum. So I think we may have to get back there and, and do that again. Yes, you'll have to stop by and hopefully I'll see you at a hot rods game. That sounds great. Mariah, thank you so much. I appreciate You're it. You're very welcome.